What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Appreciate everyone who's been tuning in to my podcast and my live streams on Instagram. Really great conversation yesterday with former Buffalo Bill John Cordo. If you didn't get a chance to tune in for that live session, I got you covered. Do yourself a favor, go follow at English Encore Podcast, all one word on Instagram. Really great content in the IGTV. You'll see my interview with John Corder from yesterday, as well as my other ones I've done, such as David Anderson from the Los Angeles Dodgers, to Colin Molson from Seton Hall, Marty Baran from the Sabres. So go ahead and do me a favor and go give that a follow if you can and give the video a like. Really trying to get up to 400 followers by the end of the month. You guys have been doing such a great job of helping me out in that department so far. I've gone up about 50 followers over the past two weeks. So if we can keep getting that going in the right direction. I'm currently working on getting some promotions or giveaways going when I have guests on for the upcoming weeks just so I can give you guys a little bit more of incentive and show my appreciation for everyone who's been tuning in. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy with the coronavirus. Um, hopefully that you can see your family and friends sooner rather than later. And today I'm going to be talking about some UB basketball. I'm going to be identifying three players to watch in the upcoming NHL draft for the Sabres. And I'm going to take a deep look into the upcoming salary cap situation for the Bills over the next few off-seasons and what it's going to look like and take to spring back some of our elite players and why we might have to let a few of them go. So we're going to start off with UB Hoops. So last year they went 20-12, and 11-7 and in the conference and didn't, ultimately ended up losing in the first round of the MAC tournament. However, I definitely think it was a successful season for the Bulls just considering they lost C.J. Massenburg. Jeremy Harris, Nick Perkins, Dante Carruthers, all those guys who are really a staple into building up the UB program. So losing all of them, in addition to Nate Oates and his assistant coach to Alabama, um, they were able to keep Jim Whites out, which was great. They did end up losing some recruits last year because of Nate Oates' move, but they still, I think, overachieved a little bit based on the roster they had. Their key losses for this upcoming season, they're losing Devontae Jordan and Antoine Johnson. Jordan was a great defensive player and was also another staple in helping build up the UB program over the past four years. So losing those two guys is definitely going to hurt. But the big announcement from this past week is Javon Graves, the senior, is going to be returning for his senior season. He's coming off a season in which he averaged 17 points and 5.4 rebounds, as well as being named to the All-Mac first team. Uh, he entered his name into the NBA draft process without signing with an agent. And after, you know, talking with his family and his agent and going through the process, obviously a little tougher with coronavirus, but he has decided to return for his senior year, which is great for the program. I think he could definitely win Mac Player of the Year. I would not be surprised at all if he is a guy that ends up getting drafted next year. He's got a very high ceiling, in my opinion. He scored in double figures in all but two games last year. And there's some other key players returning for the Bulls as well. 
Ronaldo Segui was primarily the sixth man for them last year, but he's going to be a junior this year. I would expect him to step into a starting role. Very underappreciated passer. Um, isn't the greatest scorer, but does have the ability to. He's actually a pretty good three-point shooter. I'd expect him to increase his point total as far as average in points per game. I believe he averaged about 8.1 last year. I would expect him to get into double digits this year. Jonathan Williams, I think, is going to be a monster for them this year. He was only a sophomore last year, so I think he's going to only increase his points per game total as well. He was second on the team at about 12 points per game. And then Josh Mabala, the guy they got from Texas Tech as a transfer last season. I think he's going to have a great year for the Bulls as well. Now that he's able to adjust to playing in more of a mid-major style than Texas Tech. I also think it does help him in the fact that he ended up going with that team to the national championship game just a few short years ago. So I think that experience can only help the Bulls. And then one player I think you want to watch coming in is Malik Zachary. Um, he signed his letter of intent to play for the Bulls. He also had offers from UCF, Ole Miss, California, and Fresno State. That's a really big get for White Cell and his coaching staff. And it's interesting because a lot of freshman players, for the most part, um, more so at the mid-major than at you know the Power 5 schools and whatnot, they don't really play a ton during their freshman year, depending on how good they are. So I wouldn't, I'm curious to see how Zachary does. I'm not sure if White is going to play him a ton. Um, just based on the freshmen they've had over the past few seasons, I would say he'll most likely play in a lot of games, but not for very long. He'll probably be a guy that might average four to five off the bench this year before kind of taking on a bigger role once Javon Graves leaves after this season. But I definitely think UB should have very high hopes this year. I would expect them to finish top three in the MAC conference and definitely have a chance to win the MAC come tournament time and make the NCAA tournament once again. Um, I think that as far as the big four hoops goes between them, St. Bonaventure, Niagara, and Canisius, they are by far in the best position uh, with St. Bonaventure right behind them, and I think Niagara would be third, Canisius, and fourth as far as that race is concerned. But overall, I think UB is definitely trending in the right direction, even after a lot of people probably thought they were going to fall off with Nate Oates leaving. It's a great to see that they got 20 wins last year, and I would expect their conference record to improve this year. I know Whitesell stressed that he wasn't happy with their home court performance, you know, just coming a few seasons ago where they had the longest winning streak in Division One for games won at home. I expect them to do a lot better at home next year. With or without fans, it will be determined later on. We'll have to see. But I would predict them to go more of a, you know, 13-5, and five, um, something around there as far as conference play goes next year. But I'm definitely excited for them. Um, I think Javon Graves is a very, very, very good player, and he's one player you're going to want to watch if you don't watch mid-major basketball. Um, any chance UB gets, gets to play on TV this year, I'd definitely check them out and watch him play. Really good two-way player, can score the ball at a high volume, great shooter from mid-range and three. Also has very good balance and is not afraid to dunk on anyone. Some really great highlights of him last year, so... 
definitely want to check UB out. Um, moving on to the Sabres, you know, last week I did a nice little rant, and now I'm going to be talking about some positives of players to look forward to. Um, I talked about the positives and negatives of trading their pick a while ago. I want to say probably two weeks ago. And we haven't got through the lottery yet. The Sabres are more than likely picking anywhere between 4th and 8th. 4th being on the high side. 7-8 um, is more where they're most likely going to be picking. Which isn't shocking because I feel like the Sabres pick 7th or 8th every single year. Or at least for the past like 6 years outside of Darlene um, and Eichel. But um, I definitely think there's some great prospects. It's one of the deepest prospects classes in a while um there's talk about how there's gonna be guys in the second and third round to a few years down the line when they're in the nhl you're gonna wonder how they didn't go in the first round and i think the sabers will end up keeping it just because botterell is in a tough position and he needs to develop his prospect pool more so I'm going to outline three players. It was very hard for me not to just pick three centers because that's definitely the position of need. But I wanted to give a little bit of variety so I don't have all centers in here. There are two of them, though. So starting off with my number one prospect who I love for the Sabres to get is Marco Rossi. He's 5'9", 175 pounds, center from Ottawa in the OHL. His stats from the 1920 season... He played in 56 games, recorded 39 goals, 81 assists for 120 points, and was plus 40. His player comparisons from some of the NHL writers online are Claude Giroux and Braden Point. And his key skill sets is he's a great finisher, um, highly skilled offensive player, very hard to knock off the puck, and has very, very good speed um, for the NHL level. And when I looked at him and seeing he's Russian, and I know the player comparisons are nowhere near this guy, but as far as Sabres go, kind of when I read his skill sets and everything, kind of reminds me of Max Afinaginov, and the Sabres could desperately use a player of that stature. He's a guy that some NHL experts think that he could step in and play at the NHL level this year, which would be great. Um... That was another reason I wanted, or I put him on the players to watch, because this draft class is so deep. There are going to be a lot of players that might step in and play at the NHL level their first year, and I feel like for the most part, the one through five range are guys that usually um, start at the NHL level their first year because they have great upside, like Jack Hughes, guys like that. And then, you know, the 7 through 15 range is a little iffy. Some guys do. Some guys go to college. Some guys go play in other leagues and whatnot. So if the Sabres can get some immediate help, that'd be great either this year or within the next year or two because you don't know how long Botterill's going to be around or how long Jack Eichel can, you know, deal with being mediocre and not making the playoffs. Eventually he's going to want out if they can't get him help. I think Rossi's a guy that can step in and make an impact, hopefully this year, if we were able to get him. Um, there is talk that he'd probably start off as a winger at the NHL level, but he could transition to being um, a second-line center type just because he is only 5'9", but he does possess a skill set to play a center. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Sabres will work that out just because 
we've seen what they've done in the past as far as Sam Reinhart goes. He was drafted as a center by Tim Murray, and then he's played wing primarily his entire career with the Sabres, with the exception of maybe like 10 games total. So we really don't know, and I think he could play second line center if need be. Another prospect to keep an eye on is Cole Perfetti, 5'10", 185-pound center slash left winger um, from Saganu, which is in the OHL. His stats from the 18-19 season included 37 goals, 37 assists per 74 points in 63 games. He also recorded 8 goals, 4 assists for 12 points in the U18 for Canada in only 5 games. His player comparison, as far as the NHL goes, were Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jake DeBrusque. And as far as the skill set goes, he's a very good puck handler, um, insane vision, very elusive, high hockey IQ, great passer. Um, and the game kind of comes naturally. Watching some of his highlights, um, he's very good at judging, you know, when to turn it up and when to kind of take the pace of the game a little slower. Is, and those are players like Eichel is very good at it at dictating the game whether he wants to play it fast and up and down the ice or if he kind of wants to slow it down read the defense and then adjust on the fly um, players that are able to do that at a very high level are very valuable to your team so he's a guy that you definitely want to watch his biggest concern is um, he doesn't have the speed yet at the, for competing with some of the top skaters at the NHL level, and I think that's the biggest concern when going over his scouting report is that a lot of people are concerned that he might not be able to transition great from a skating perspective. They actually kind of talked about him and Cole Caulfield in that they're both very good at scoring goals and are very elusive and aren't bad skaters by any stretch, but just aren't at that elite level they need to be um, to really make a huge impact at the NHL level. But he has such high upside, it's hard not to mention him here. And then the third prospect I want to talk about is Alexander Holtz. Six foot, 183 pounds from Desjardins. I don't even know if I said that right. A lot of these guys are coming from, you know, other countries. So I apologize if I butchered that. He played for Super Elite. 18-19 um, season, 30 goals, 17 assists, 47 points in 38 games for plus 12. The reason I have some of the 18-19 stats for some of these guys is because either 19-20, they didn't get to play really any of games because of stuff going on or because they were um, competing in like world junior tournaments and stuff. So I wanted to give the best um, available statistics from their previous season with the more um, games they played. So that's why I have 18-19 stats. His player comparisons, Patrick Laine. Um, as far as skill sets go, he's an elite shooter, um, very good at positioning himself, good puck handler, and able to you know make people miss when he is carrying the puck up and down, transitioning from blue line to blue line. Um, I really like the line A comparison and watching some of his highlights. I think that comparison is the most accurate compared to the other ones I mentioned. Um, obviously, when you talk about Perfetti and you hear Ryan Eugene Hopkins and Jake DeBrusque, by no means bad players, but when you're picking a guy in the top 10, you probably want a little bit higher. Um, Rossi is definitely my favorite of the three I just mentioned. If he was able to fall, that'd be great. He's kind of been projected between four and six in most of the mock drafts I've seen. I did see him one at eighth, but 
Um, Perfetti has been primarily between the 6 and 10 mark. And then Holtz has been anywhere from 4 to 10. So definitely going to be interesting if the Sabres could get lucky and somehow sneak into the top four. That'd be great. Um, more than likely, I think they'll be picking between 6 and 8. So these are the guys that I think will more than likely be available at that point. And I think Holtz and Rossi have the best chance of contributing immediately to the Sabres. Um, Perfetti would be more of a development option. But I think he has very high upside, and I like his game from the highlights I've seen and what the scouts have said about him outside of you know, the speed. But at the same time, with the Sabres where they're at right now, they can't really afford to wait on a guy um, if he ends up being like a middle stat where we don't really know where he is three, four years in. That's not going to help us where Rossi and Holtz both seem to be um, guys that are going to contribute within the first two years of getting them. And then finally going into the Buffalo Bills. So I just want to kind of talk about their 2021 cap situation and then transitioning into 2022. So obviously the Bills are in a very good position from a cap standpoint. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott did an excellent job at kind of getting rid of all the Rex Ryan players with only keeping a handful of them around rebuilding the team and rebuilding the salary cap they had a ton of cap space in the offseason still have actually about 25 million in cap space currently next year going in the offseason the bills are projected to have around 36.5 million dollars in cap projection and their main free agents next year are Deion dawkins matt milano and levi wallace which are all guys i would love to have back levi wallace i can kind of deal with not coming back just because if Josh Norman pans out maybe you bring him back on cheaper money Levi Wallace is younger might want to get paid at a higher rate if EJ Gaines works out um, based on injury history he might be able to take a little bit lower money um, Bills have always done a nice job in the draft they drafted a cornerback from Pittsburgh in the draft this year and they really like him so maybe he could end up being a Levi Wallace replacement Deion Dawkins is pretty much a must resign because offensive linemen are very hard to come by um, in today's NFL. And he's really done a great job of improving not only on and off the field as a leader, but on the field production. He was really great this year. And I think he's developing a great chemistry with Quentin Spain. Mitch Morse still locked up for a few more years. We just re-signed Spain, as I just mentioned. Then you have Cody Ford. They brought in Williams from the Panthers. They sub John Feliciano. So really great depth on the offensive line. He's a guy I think you need to bring back, especially at the left tackle position where you're pretty much projecting one of Allen's blind sides and are facing some of the toughest matchups in the game. So he's one you had to bring back. Milano was very interesting because me personally, I love Matt Milano and I would, I really think we need to get him back. It's very tough because there always are linebackers that are free agents or you can I think linebacker is actually one of the easiest positions to address as far as the draft goes just because there are so many great athletes that can move around at that position or you have safeties that can transition to a linebacker role based on how big they are. So he's interesting because then you think about the 2022 offseason and you have Trey White, Micah Hyde, Josh Allen, John Brown, Tremaine Edmonds, and Teron Johnson. Big, big free agents for the Bills. And I did a little bit of a cap projection as far as that goes. So Trey White is going to demand a contract anywhere from 16.5 to $18 million per year. And I did that based off a of Byron Jones contract. He got 
Troy White is definitely better than Byron Jones. Him and Gilmore are going to be the two guys that set the standard for that position, so I could see them getting up to $18 million. Then I look at Tremaine Edmonds. He could go anywhere from $12.75 to $16 million per year. I put him in between Jalen Smith of the Cowboys, Jaquiel Barrett of the Buccaneers. I think that's a kind of good middle ground. because I think him and Jalen Smith are pretty much on par, but Edmonds, I think, has a little bit more upside and has less injury history. And then Micah Hyde, even though he's going to be a little bit older, I think the Bills would like to retain him and have him finish it out with Poyer for the next couple of years, especially in the next three to four years when the Bills are going to have prime opportunity to make a run at the Super Bowl. I think he'll be anywhere from 8.5 to 10.5 million. Um, Poyer's right about 8.5, 9, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got like the same contract as Poyer or Ten and a half is right around where Harrison Smith of the Vikings is, and I think that's a good comparison for Hyatt, especially at that age. And then the wild card is Josh Allen, because if Allen lights it up this year and next year, he's going to command a lot of money. If he's constantly improving but not elite but is winning you games, then you're still have to pay him a ton. So as of right now, I have Allen between 25 and 30 million for a season for average salary based on Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill's contracts, where if he exceeds expectation and we win 12 to 13 games over the next two years, he could easily go up into that 35-ish range around the Carson Wentz's of the world, Dak Prescott probably when he gets paid. Um, especially because quarterbacks are always setting the market at a different standard, and especially these young ones coming up. And especially if a guy like Sam Darnold or Mayfield gets paid and Allen has a better record or statistics. So it's very hard because you want to bring back Dawkins and Milano, but then you also have to worry about all these other guys. Um, John Brown and Teron Johnson are both interesting because I think slot corner-wise, Teron Johnson can be replaced by someone. And I love John Brown, and would, I think the Bills would love to have him back as well. Um, but he also will be a little bit older. I believe he'll be 31 or 32 at that point. So unless it's for a cheaper contract, they will probably look to go in the draft free agency and bring in a younger guy. Or hopefully Isaiah Hodgins or Gabe Davis develops into a good receiver that can complement Stephon Diggs. Cole Beasley will be another guy that I doubt they'll bring back after his contract expires just because of age. He might come back on a one-year deal or two-year deal if it's really cheap. But um, I think Matt Milano is easily the biggest question mark in all of this because I think White, Edmonds, and Allen are your three centerpieces. And then Dawkins kind of automatically gets brought back solely because he's protecting Allen. So I think... Matt Milano and Hyde are kind of the two guys you have to worry about maybe leaving when their contract's over. Um, I think Milano more than Hyde, but I think it's definitely something you have to keep an eye on. And I think the sooner they pay Trey White, the better, because I definitely don't want him to leave at all. Um, I think White and Edmonds are definitely your two key players just based on how McDermott and Bean have built the team to be more defensively heavy than offense. But it's definitely going to be interesting going forward. That's all I got for today's episode. If you haven't done so, like I said at the beginning, please go follow at English Encore Podcast on Instagram. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it if you could. 
share it with your family, friends, coworkers, whoever it may be. I'm going to continue driving out content for you guys. I'll be back on Friday with another podcast. And then on Saturday or Sunday, I'll be having another guest. I'll be announcing that later in the week, probably on Thursday, Friday at the latest, um, depending on when they'll be coming on. If it's Sunday, it might be Friday at the latest. More than likely, it'll be Wednesday or Thursday this week. But thank you for everyone for tuning in. This is Nick English signing out. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Thank you.